Yo, what is good, people? Welcome back to Diamond Talk, and guess who's up on time today? That's right, I am. Uh, you guys might not get my diecast out of this episode, so it might not make sense to you right now, but for the people who are here, it makes sense to them, so fuck y'all. Anyway, Nick and Robin, how you guys doing? Yo, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Ready to dive into these uh, these topics that we got here. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get a little... Not controversial, but I, I'm definitely going to get a little a little heated up with some of the topics that we have covering up here. Yeah, man, definitely good doing a little uh, prediction set episode, which is always fun, and then uh, a little WC WBC recap. And it's been fun to watch these these men play like boys with the excitement and the passion that you usually see from other countries. The USA is all about it, and uh, I'm ready to talk about it. We're about two weeks away from the start of the season, so it's it's pretty much go time. All the spring training stuff, you know, spring training is obviously still going on. People are still getting that bat, still swinging, swinging stuff, you know what I mean? So, but we're, so, so, so we're not there, but we're, we're pretty much right there. Today we're going over our predictions for the National League. I don't, I don't know if you guys are going to like this or not like this. It's, it's a little bit different than what, we, than what we're used to in the past. Some of it might be pure, pure hype. It probably is a lot of hype. But either way, man, things shook up a little bit differently than, for all of us, I would say. Shook up a little bit more differently than than I thought um, it previously might have. We're going to start with the NL East today. And before we get started, some important stuff that's happened in the NL East just overall. It, if you've been watching the WBC or if you ever, like, watched any kind of baseball and now you're on Twitter, you know Edwin Diaz went down with a season-ending knee surgery. Uh, happened in a terrible way. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it more when we do talk about the WBC. But that's a big loss for the Mets. Atlanta gained a catcher, right? Their, their, their backstop kind of just upgraded. So Atlanta has some things going on. Uh, Miami, they, they've upgraded. They got the AL's leading hitter coming into that team. The Nationals kind of suck, let's be honest. That's, that's all I can really say about that one. Nationals kind of suck. And, and the Mets, I, we were talk, talking about the Mets. Philadelphia got Trey, Trey Turner, who is an American hero now, uh, officially going to go on a – Gonna go on some currency at some point, but guys, I mean, drum roll. Except no drum rolls because it's it's early. I'm a little bit hungover. I'll start with you, Nick, because you looked up and smiled at me like a child in in mourning. Who do you have as your NL East winner? NL East, I have the Mets. I think the injury to Ed, Edwin Diaz puts him over the top. I think they galvanize around. Um, I don't know if everybody has noticed or saw the tweet that uh, Steve Cohen. Got Edwin Diaz, an in-house nutritionist, personal trainer, and like all the stuff for him to to rehab, and that I mean that just shows what kind of owner he is as far as his players. He's been criticized for being real close with the players a bunch, and when you do something like that and you step out of your way, you just gave a guy over a hundred million dollars a reliever, like the biggest contract ever for a reliever. He goes down playing in an exhibition game, air quotes that doesn't really matter. Keith Overman, meaningless baseball, fuck you. Like all the way, fuck you, Keith Overman. Get off all social media and everything. For the owner of the Mets to not criticize the WC and not criticize Edwin Diaz and actually help him more than any owner's ever done for a player is just, it's amazing. Um, it's It shows that he cares just as much as the players do, probably on a lot of levels, maybe even more. So I got the Mets winning the NL East because I think they just come together over this injury, play together. Um, they got better, especially at the top of the rotation with Justin Verlander. He's looking good in spring training. I mean, he's looking like he's 21 years old again, maybe not with the velocity, but just the way he's pitching. So I think they have the, – the Braves are going to be tough to overcome. 
and we saw last year the Mets, you know, stumble down down the end of the season. But I think they have it this year. I think they learned a lot from last year, but mostly I just think they come together and really put a team effort in rather than being um, a bunch of individuals. I think you see a fun team playing together, often playing hard every single game, playing all nine innings or more if there's extras. I don't see them taking nights off. I think they really got pissed off at what happened last year, and this year they're going to come back and fight even harder than they did last year. Damn, Nick says Mets don't met anymore. Actually, that's not exactly what he said. But having the Mets win anything is usually always something that's going to bring bad comments from me. I'll say it. The Mets are not going to met this year. <laughs> Oof. Some would argue they have already started. Yeah. I, I mean, like, that's sad. Worst part about this whole thing, right? Um, obviously, Evan Diaz goes down. We're not happy about it. Then, then there's, like, videos of Brandon Nimmo, who, let's be honest, didn't get invited to this thing. Like, can we just, can we just say that? Like, like, he just, like, I don't know if Italy might have invited him. I, I think he has, like, some Italian or some other country. But the USA did not invite Brandon Nimmo. He would be, like, the ninth option, maybe, to bring in after the six guys already on the WBC roster. But, um, you know, he gets injured, too, after videos of him saying, you know, talking shit on the WBC. He, he goes out and he hurts himself. And like obviously we hope both of them get get better. Right? We don't, I'm not I'm not hoping bad on Brandon Nemo. I'm just saying he's not that good, and he still got hurt not playing on the WBC. Rob, I'll kick it over to you, man. Who you got winning the NL East? Yeah, man. So when it when it comes to the AL East, I got the Braves. Um, NL East, NL East, you, NL East. You, you 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 Yankee fucking NL East, NL East. I, I got the Braves. Um, I I think look, I think honestly, this is the year that the Braves dominate. Um, in terms of how the entire NL is playing out. I think this is going to be the, the highest win total season for the Braves in terms of like what I've seen from them. Um, you know, just looking up some of their stats, they won 101 games last year. It was their first 100 win season since like 02, I think, or 02 or 03, almost 20 years. I think the team that they have right now is arguably, you know, as comparable to those early 2000 teams. Uh, those 2000 brave teams as possible in terms of just how well-rounded the entire team is, you know, not just focusing on one area, the Braves have it all like by definition, they have it absolutely all. They have multiple superstars on their team. When it comes to their lineup, their lineup in terms of when you look at all of their positions, you know, we talked about the, how big of, of an acquisition it was to acquire Sean Murphy um, in the off season. They, so they went from essentially having, you know, a guy that was already considered by many, like in terms of at least hitting, you know, Travis D'Arnaud as a pretty decent catcher. And they replace him with a top five catcher in the game, um, just locking down that position. And all of their players are locked down long term for the most part. You look at their bullpen. They have a lot of good bullpen arms, you know, spoiler from our from our last episode. We had um, I think we had the Braves finish as the top bullpen in our, in our rankings. Um, when you look at their starting pitching, you obviously have to look at guys like Max Fried, Cy Young candidate, Spencer Strider, you know, rookie of the year, second in rookie of the year last season, and Cy Young candidate. They might be getting Mike Soroka back at some point this season, you know, from his injuries. That's as good of a one, two, three as you would want for any playoff team. And that's still not counting Kyle Wright. That's still not counting Ian Anderson. That's not counting, you know, some of the other guys that they could get back from injuries. If their team stays fully healthy, I mean, you're you're looking at a at an infield of of uh, you know, Matt Olson, Ozzy Albiz, uh, Vaughn at uh, shortstop, Austin Riley, who has solidified himself as a top five third baseman. If Ronald Acuna goes back to being Ronald Acuna, I mean, you're looking at a top three MVP candidate for for this season. Um, so it's, I think it's going to be a very special season for the Braves. 
um, especially when you look at the at the rest of their division, right? Like the Mets. Look, I have the Mets. I have the Mets finishing as the number three wild card. I have Philadelphia finishing as the number two wild card. I think it's going to be a repeat of last season. As we, as we go through the standings, you'll see that like I'm probably the one that thinks that the NL. The, I have the NL pretty much like sticking to itself from last year. I don't have a lot of difference in the NL. Um, and I know that might be that might be a little boring, but that's just the. I think that's the reality that the NL is in. I think all three teams. The top teams from the NL East do make the postseason again. I think the Trey Turner addition is going to be huge for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, and, and I think it's going to be huge, particularly because we don't know how Bryce Harper is going to be for this entire year. So when you're able to replace a superstar like Bryce Harper with another superstar like Trey Turner, it kind of fills a hole that you might have, you know, not trying to predict any type of injury or anything like that. But we know what Bryce Harper's injury history is, um, you know, heading into this season. And then when you look at some of the other teams, you know, the, the Mets, the Mets can go either way for me. I lean towards being a little pessimistic when it comes towards them. You know, the Ed, we talked about it last episode. The Edwin Diaz injury might not seem like a big deal to a lot of people because they're like, oh, it's one guy. Like, your season's not over. Yeah, that your bullpen is done. Like, that's the, that's the reality that you live in. Like, the Mets bullpen is, is literally, what did we have them? Like, 7th or 8th? That bullpen shoots down to 17th, 18th, 20th. Like, without Edwin Diaz, like, that's how important he was talent-wise to that bullpen. Um, at the same time, Steve Cohen is the type of owner where I don't think he's going to just sit put. I do think he's going to be out there come deadline season making the trades that are necessary to get the Mets to where they need to get to. And I, and I do think that's going to help them. The, the problem is I just don't um, the same way that we talked about a guy like Jacob DeGrom who isn't there anymore. I don't know if we can you know necessarily trust the full healthy season of Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander. You're not talking about two 25, 26 year olds. You're talking about two guys that are at 40, you know, getting there to 40. And, you know, it's two of the oldest pitchers in the game, two of the top five pitchers in the game, arguably still. But that's tough to maintain. And then, you know, that's pretty much where the where the conversation ends in the NL East, if we're being serious. Like, you cut it off at those three teams. The Marlins, look, the Marlins made a lot of sneaky additions to their squad, man. When you add the AL batting champion, you know, you move Jazz over to center field. Like, we still have to see how that's going to play out for them long term. Um they added Yuli, uh, Yuli Gurriel, who's a past NL batting champion recently as well. They have they have the the reigning NL Cy Young Award winner, um, Saudi Alcantara, who again, no no real um, you can't really predict whether people are going to have back to back you know Cy Young Award seasons, but you do predict another solid season from from Sandy. And then for their Washington Nationals, they just have a way to go, man. They have they have they have a lot of talent on that team. They don't have talent on that team that's anywhere near a Braves, Phillies, or Mets right now. Um, so yeah, you, I kind of have the division playing down, playing out exactly like that. I think the Braves are gonna are really gonna put a hurting on the NL this year. The, the NL East is interesting to me. Well, first of all, I'm gonna be your tiebreaker. I, I chose the Braves. One, you you won't you won't catch me slipping thinking saying the Mets will win anything. So let's just put that out there, right? There's there's just that. Is it bias? Is it call it whatever you want? Call it hate hatred. I don't go fuck. But Mets ain't winning nothing on my watch. Let's, let's just make that. Yo, the Mets, the Mets will never win the division yeah, <laughs> as long as Dave's here. Yeah. <laughs> Look, so, so, so some real Met things though, right? Like I think right now they do have the best rotation in the NL. When I, when I was breaking it down, I would say they have the best rotation on the NL. Obviously, they have that top end talent, which helps. But like 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 Rob mentioned though, man, those are some older guys who both have had injury history in the last couple of years. Right. Obviously, the Verlander went absolutely nuts last year, but he was coming off Tommy John like a year and a half before that. Uh, Max Scherzer, you know, we know who Max Scherzer is. Also, someone who's 
had those kind of smaller in- injuries, nothing huge, but he has been hurt a little bit. And we don't know shit about what's his name, Senga? Not Senga. Is that the left fielder? I feel like I'm. I'm yeah, Kodai, uh, Sen- Kodai Senga. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm glad I didn't fuck that one up too much. Like we don't know what we're getting from him, right? He's supposed to be a, a third guy, but is he is he gonna be better or worse than Chris Bassett? I don't know. I, I like we can sit here and say I don't know. Chris Bassett's a pretty good arm. He he wasn't a scrub, you know. What I mean, so it's, there, there is a world where he's worse than Chris Bassett. So you know, it's 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 weird. It, 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 it's weird for the Mets because they're in a place where you have these top end guys. You had a couple Ferraris in the garage, but the rest of that garage you have some question marks. However, I, even with that, I still think they're the best rotation in the in the, in the National League right now. My thing, the reason why I think Atlanta's winning is just when you kind of look at the entire team, they have the least holes, and they have the guys to plug those holes when it comes up, right? I, I don't know what Von Grisham's going to do at shortstop. Losing, losing what's called Danby Swanson is going to hurt them a little bit. I think that, that it's, it's something that we're not really talking about. Von Grisham isn't great defensively, right? That was one of, his, that was one of the things last year that kind of came back and said, hey, look, we – he doesn't. He doesn't provide you the same solid defense that, that Dansby did. We'll, we'll see if he sticks, man. I, there, there's a world where he doesn't stick. I have him like right now for my shortstop. I have him and C.J. Abrams at the same spot just because we don't know anything about either of them really. Neither of them played a full season there. Um, but yeah, I, I, Atlanta just has too much talent across the board, right? So the, the, the way I did my, um, I picked my stuff was I kind of ranked players by position. And I mean, I, I ranked teams by position and kind of counted them against each other kind of thing. And, and Atlanta was always at the top with top guys, right? Whether it be first base with Matt Olson, who he's not even the best first base. And I, I think Pete Alonso is going to be a, like overall player better than, than Matt Olson. But Matt Olson's going to do his thing, right? Second base, Jeff McNeil is great, but how much better is Jeff McNeil than Ozzy Albies? I don't think it's, it's it, if he is, it's not my much. Right, I haven't had them even there. Third base, Austin Riley, MVP candidate, right? So it's it's, it's just, there's too much there to, to say that they're not going to be just as good, as, if not better, than they were last year. Uh, some of these other teams, like Philadelphia, there's, I still think they're a really poorly constructed team. Having Trey Turner there helps. Obviously, he's the best. He, he is at, he's at least in the conversation for best shortstop in the game, I would say. Right where I ha- I give him the same score as a Francisco Lindor, I-, I think both of those guys are ten out of ten guys when it comes to the shortstop position. But their rotation after after four, it's not as strong as or, or it's not as deep as some of these other guys. I-, I think the Marlins have a better rotation than than the Phillies do personally. When when you look at it from top to bottom, um, which. I'm not saying Miami's going to do anything with their lives. I still don't think they are. But still, it, it, you know, it's one of those things where Phillies are going to have a tough time. Brett Shepard's going to be out there and have a tough time. I expect nothing out of the Nats. So I have the Nats literally doing nothing. I have the Nats as the worst team in baseball this year, actually, when, when it all came down to it. I, I think they lose 150 games. That's right. Your 12-win your twelve win, uh, Nationals coming at you. Uh, but, 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 Nick, is there anything you're looking at as far as the NL East, uh, as far as something you can keep your eye on this year? Yeah, I mean, as far as the rest of the teams, I think the Phillies, you're, you're right. They just don't have as much of the top-end talent. I mean, you have the Bryce Harpers and, and the Trey Turners, but they're also streaky. And to have Bryce Harper out for most likely half the year, that's tough to come across, especially when you're a streaky team. 
And, you know, you've got a decent pitching staff. They really improved their bullpen. So that is the one thing for me is that their bullpen, I don't think they're going to lose as many late games, especially if they're already up as they have in the past. Um, everybody, the Marlins, look, if you get rid of, if you somehow let Derek Jeter go, you're just saying you don't want to win. That, Derek Jeter is a winner. That's all he does in his life. And when you let that type of talent, persona, person leave your organization, you're showing me that you don't, you're not really serious about winning. And to deal a guy like Pablo Lopez, for a rise don't get me wrong al batting champion great that's all that's not what you need on that team getting 200 hits is not as helpful to that team as 40 home runs they just don't do smart baseball so they're gonna be there for a long time i hope jazz Chisholm balls out and wins the the gold glove in center field and gets some mvp votes because that's a guy that i would love to see i hate to say it on another team he has wasted talent in miami like we're going to have the, the Mike Trout conversation on being on the wrong team for his entire career if Jazz Tism stays there. Um, as far as the Nationals, I am not as high on their prospects as everybody else as they got in those trades. I don't think that team comes together. Um, it was a magical run when they won the World Series. And realistically, that's the only magical run we've ever seen out of them. And that's what it's going to take is magic. That's really what's going to take for them to be any sort of competitive in this game. 150 losses. My, I might bet the uh, the under. I might think that's too too few. Like every <laughs> single that's game, wild. I'm betting against the Nationals, and I'm going to win a lot of money. Um, you guys are right. The, the Braves, especially if you go position by position, it's not even close that they're better than every other team. The reason I picked the Mets is there's always something from each team, and for some reason, I just have a feeling this year's team is going to gel and they're going to play together. Buck Showalter to me is a top. He's easy a top 10 manager all time in the history of the game. For me, he's top five. I just like the way he manages the game. He gets his players together. When you've got a manager like that, that everybody plays better for, and then you've got an owner who's really just showcasing that he cares about the team. And to Rob's point, Cohen is not going to sit on his ass and let the closer role just go empty all year. He's going to go get a David Bednar who may not be available from the Pirates, but is definitely something that could be had. I don't see the Red Sox winning very many games in the beginning part of the year. So that means Kenley Jansen is a possibility as well if he's not hurt and if he's not getting like 17 pitch clock violations every single game. Um, there's There are going to be closers out there that are going to be available, and he's going to go get somebody to fill that hole. Um, and the Braves, look, they legitimately have four MVP candidates in Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Ozzy Albies, and Ronald Cunha Jr. I'm not saying that all of them are going to be a top 10 MVP finisher. But if you told me that you're going to put money on any of those four to win the MVP, I'm not going to say that's a stupid bet. Even Ozzy Albies, he has the potential for that. So the Braves do have more talent, especially when you break it down position by position. And to upgrade a catcher like they did, like it's hard to say with what they had last year, they're going to upgrade a catcher. But they are. It's that the, is, crazy, the crazy part about their catching situation is, look, obviously JT is the best catcher we had in our, in our list, right? But the situation for for the Braves is as good as having JT Real Muto because even your backup catcher in what's his face, uh, I'm running out of names here. There are no um, Travis. Darno. Yeah, in, in Travis Darno, it makes it so that you have two guys that when you you have two top ten catchers whenever you're out there, right? So I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just saying I, th- I think that's like super, and that's a that, that's something that also pushes the Braves kind of above some of the other teams. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and but there's also maybe. And this sounds weird, but there might be winning fatigue. Like, 
it might just be the time where even though they maybe have the best talent and arguably getting better, they may be starting to save themselves for the playoffs because what do they not have recently? A ring. And that's where you got to get. You've got to get into the playoffs and you've got to get deep in the playoffs. They might rest some guys because, you know, Ozzy Albies is coming off a year of injuries. Ronald Cunha Jr. had a big injury. It's going to be interesting to see how they play out. Are they going to play for the title or are they maybe going to play for the postseason? Um, they do things differently down in Atlanta. Anthopolis does things differently. Like, he just puts shit together. There's just, I think there's going to be some Mets magic this year that's going to take them, even though they're not going to be the best team. Like the Phillies last year in the playoffs. They were not the best team in the playoffs, but they represented the National League. Also, they're going to be playing competitive baseball pretty much every single game. As much shit as we're talking about the Nationals um, and and the Miami Marlins, they do have their their talent that can make it difficult. The Marlins particularly are starting pitching. Winning a game one nothing with Sandy Alcantara being on the mound a few times could hurt all the teams in the NL East, but the Braves kind of specifically. It's it's a bad pick. To, you know, for me it's a bad pick. I just see there might be some magic with the Mets that pick them up. But to everybody's point, like the, the bottom two teams are just terrible. They're, it's almost as if they're in a hole that you never see them coming out of, kind of like we saw the Baltimore Orioles a few years ago. It's tough. Like the NL East is tough. You have some high end talent around basically three teams. Well, four, because I think San Diego is an elite talent too. But for, I have Atlanta having more wins than anybody in the NL, if I'm be completely honest with y'all. I'm, it's not even that I'm a big fan of it, it's just that. When it breaks down, their roster so good. And, and obviously, they're going to be playing teams like the Mets and Phillies, which I have as, like, I have Philadelphia in the, in the playoffs as well. Uh, the rest of the league just isn't – there's a big separation between competent and incompetent. And I'll get to it in this next division about what, what who my surprise team is. I know Nick has no surprise teams also from this division. But let's go over – let's go over to NL Central, right? Um, NL Central, the, the team that came out last year, was the Cardinals very disappointing playoff run? Like very, very disappointing playoff run. One of the worst things we've seen, I think, from a from a meltdown standpoint. That doesn't get talked about a lot, but it was a meltdown. It it, it is what it is. Uh, however, talent, 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 talent. You have two guys MVP top three, right? You have Nolan Arenado. Uh, you have Paul Goldschmidt, who's also on Team America. Uh. You know, you have Jordan Walker coming up, who, believe it or not, I believe he's he's, he's the greatest person on earth coming. He, he's our he's our solution to the Shohei Otani international problem. Um, no, I just can't. Yo, <laughs> Rob, I'll start with you, man. Who do you have winning the NL Central, and, and what are your thoughts on the division as a whole? Yeah, man, I, I mentioned it earlier. Um, I'm going to be the boring one here, <laughs> and I, I think a lot of things are going to play out exactly how they played out last season. I'm going to give the division to the Cardinals again, just because I think they are they are the, be the best team in the division when you look at all the other teams and their situations. Um, you can make a clear argument, you know, a team like the Milwaukee Brewers has the best pitching. If you if you get a an, a good season from a Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, uh, Freddie Peralta, you know, even a guy like Adrian Hauser for, for the Milwaukee Brewers, like they have the best pitching in the division. But as a team overall, um, I just think the Cardinals are are just that much better than everyone else. I don't think that it's going to be, um, you know, necessarily like as big of a, of a runaway where the Cardinals just go out there and win 100 games. Um, at the same time, that's never really been the Cardinals style. You know, like the Cardinals have kind of just stick around there. Um, and even when they, if you want to say, create some separation in the division, it's probably like 
August and they have like a four game lead. You know, it's not it's never it's never anything crazy like, oh, the Cardinals are are leading the division by 12, 13 games. Like, I think it's going to be close with a lot of these teams. But like you mentioned, you know, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt are still there. That's probably as best of a one two veteran combo and, and and I'll say elite veteran combo that you would want on your team when you have two guys that are MVP candidates like that. Um, you mentioned, you know, earlier, Jordan Walker is going to be joining this team as well. You know, a lot of people's NL Rookie of the Year favorite. Um, he's he's going to be a great addition to this team. And even when you start to pick out like the other parts of this team, you know, your Tyler O'Neill's, your uh, Lars Newtbard, your Tommy Edmonds, like they all just do things that it's kind of like they're fitting in their roles so naturally for that squad. Like you don't need those guys to be stars. You just need them to contribute and be the the players that you need them to be. You know, you have other other young guys too, like a Nolan Gorman, who we saw last season for them, who's still going to be there contributing to that team as well. Um, and then again, it's like the Cardinals are a team that they they don't they didn't really stop. For example, they knew that they were going to use that they were going to lose Yadier Molina, replace them with Wilson Contreras. That's what contending teams do. They just don't sit on their ass and be like, hey, we're, you know, maybe not, maybe not the last year or two, right? Because obviously Yachty's older in age. So like, we're not out here just being like, oh, Yadier Molina is a top five catcher in the game. But when you've had that kind of, um, um, what's it called? I would say like, you haven't had to worry about the catching position for a while with the St. Louis Cardinals. And so the point that they got to that point now and needing to worry about it, and they just were very simply able to be like, hey, we're going to snatch this guy and we're going to snatch this guy from one of our division rivals too. Like Wilson Contreras, come over here. Tell us all the secrets that you, that you know about the Cubs so we can get a little bit more, more wins against them. You know, it, it, I think it's going to end up being a great addition for them. You know, Wilson Contreras still has to prove on his end that he's a, a more consistent catcher than we would like to see because we've seen too many seasons of Wilson Contreras starting off hot and then cooling off. When the second when the second half comes, I think that'll come into play with being on a on a legit contender at this moment in time, having guys like Nolan Arenado and and Paul Goldschmidt around you. I don't want to say that he hasn't had that before, you know, with with your Chris Bryant's and your Rizzo's and Javi Baez out in Chicago when they were out there. But it's been a minute for where Chicago has had kind of like that veteran, that veteran leadership um, and Chicago has been in a contending position. Um, in terms of, you know, in terms of Milwaukee, I'm just going to be quick on them. I'm, I'm giving them second. Again, I think that they have the best pitching in the division. I just don't think that they have a lineup that matches up with the St. Louis Cardinals. I think the Cubs, I have finishing third. I think they've made a lot of, they've made a lot of good additions to their team. They're not additions that are going to be good enough to catapult them to the top of the division. That's just the honest truth. When your biggest signing is Dansby Swanson, not for nothing, love Dansby Swanson, but Dansby Swanson is not a superstar in this game. He's not a guy who's going to make a, a difference like like that level. He's not a he's not a judge. He's not a trout. He's not any of these guys. He is a top six, top seven shortstop. And again, that's not even a seat that is like necessarily that he's necessarily glued in. You know, like at any point in time, he could go to Chicago this season and be the 11th best shortstop in the game. Like that's that's how the shortstop position has kind of been playing out. Um, whatever you think you're going to get from like a Cody Bellinger, for example, you don't know. It's a one year deal. We'll have to see how guys like that do. Um, I'm still looking at a guy like Seiya Suzuki. I still think Seiya Suzuki is going to be one of the most impactful players in the MLB from Japan. No, he's not going to be Shohei Otani. But in terms of guys who can produce, I, I still see Seiya Suzuki as being an 800-plus OPS guy for the Cubs. I, I do think he can be that type of player. Um, so I do think that they've made a lot of interesting additions to that squad. When you ask me to pick between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds, to be honest, last season they, fit, they both finished with the same record. 
Um, I gave the edge to the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, this year simply because how can you not like the Pirates in terms of potential compared to the Cincinnati Reds? I think I think the Reds have you know some things that could play in their favor, like we talked about. A Jonathan India coming back this season for them might give them a little boost. I do think that they have some some solid arms that you can look at. But with the Pittsburgh Pirates, I think I think the key that a lot of people mix miss with the Pittsburgh Pirates is the veteran additions that they've made this offseason is what was needed to to potentially get those young guys that they have to the next level. So when you look at a Cabrian Hayes, when you look at an O'Neill Cruz, even at even look, I don't want to say like necessarily a Brian Reynolds because we don't know what Brian Reynolds' future is going to be. Like I don't know if Brian Reynolds is going to be a long term pirate. Like he might get traded this deadline. We don't know. He's been he's been involved in a lot of trade rumors. But the addition, the bringing back of Andrew McCutcheon, right? And no one better be looking at Andrew McCutcheon like, oh, Andrew McCutcheon is going to go out there and have an all star season. Like that's not what he got brought in for. But the addition of Andrew McCutcheon, the addition of like a Carlos Santana, those additions play a big role when it comes to the locker room and getting these guys, you know, in a in a better mindset. Those are players that have that have had have had good experience in playoff baseball. They've been in those situations. Whether you look at McCutcheon when he was back with the Pirates, McCutcheon's time with the Yankees, um, you know, Carlos Santana being on the Guardians and things like that. They have experienced a lot of postseason baseball. They have experienced a lot of they have a lot of knowledge of the game that they can implement on these younger guys. So I do think the vibes are going to start changing a little bit in Pittsburgh. I just, again, there's that, there's just too big of a separation, even between a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Milwaukee Brewers. At this moment in time, I just think there's too big of a separation for the, for the Pittsburgh Pirates to make any type of crazy move. But even if you tell me the Pittsburgh Pirates win, I don't know, 72 games, right? Which might not, which is nothing crazy, but that's a 10 game improvement from last season. So that's kind of the trajectory that you want to see for a team like that. But when you look at the NL Central, man, I think I think it's very easy to to look at the Cardinals and say it's Cardinals all day in that division. Yeah, you know, I, there, there's no reason to, to to not talk about it. It's the Cardinals division. I think they have the they're gonna have the largest amount of separation between first place and the next possible person to win it. Even even last year, right? They won it by I'm bad at math by like seven games or. I'm really bad at math. No, yeah, seven games. They won it by like seven games. I think that kind of gets even further stretched out this year, where I can see them wrapping this up um, pretty much mid September, right? Where they they clinch mid 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 September, and now they're just kind of just riding out the rest of the rest of the season. Nick Nick brought up surprise teams in his thing, which which wasn't something that that we originally had, but my surprise team for this year is actually it is the Chicago Cubs. Do I have them making the playoffs? Absolutely not. Right, that's not that that's not what I'm saying by surprise team. I, I still think they're they're a little bit of blue juice, but the additions they've made, they've been subtle additions. Nobody cares about Cody Bellinger because he's been trashed the last few years. I'm not looking at him as a potential MVP candidate player. I'm not even looking at him as a potential All Star player. I am looking at him as an upgrade to what they had in the outfield, where now you bring in a Gold Glove caliber player out there playing every day. That's you know, Ian Happ doesn't have to play center field ever again, right? That's that's an upgrade, right? Because now Ian Happ becomes one of the best corner outfielders that there is in the game. Not that there's that he was oh, he was almost in our top five, right? So he's not he's he's a good player. Um, with what's his name with Dansby Swanson coming to shortstop, Nico Horner gets kicked to second base. That's important because that was originally Nick Madrigal's like place that that you know they traded with with Chicago. Nick Madrigal's probably not playing. Um, He's not that dude. But I do think you have one of the best shortstop second base combos in the MLB. Defensively. Defensively, I should say. 
right? Both of those dudes are, are, are sick with the glove. Both of those guys are going to, pitchers are going to be happy, right? Then even, even on the mound, you have someone who, I know nobody ever talks about Jameson Tyon, but Jameson Tyon is a legitimate starter in this league. He, he's someone that, no, he's not making an all-star team, but is he going to have about a 3-5 ERA? Is he going to get you through a season? A- absolutely. And, and little subtle moves like that, I think, go a long way in improving a team like this. We don't know about their catching position. They, you mentioned it. They, missed, they, just, they lost Wilson Contreras, who had been a little bit inconsistent for, for them, right? First half, second half, that kind of thing. So, you know, for, for Chicago, they, have, they brought in veteran guys there, too. Um, it looks like they're going to make a push towards becoming relevant. Do they become relevant? I don't think so. I, I still think there's, there's too much separation between them and, and the Cardinals, specifically. Everybody since the division, Milwaukee, I, I don't know what Milwaukee's doing. Um, I, I feel like something that we say every year, like they, they kind of just win a lot. We don't know how they do it. It's the same situation, right? I know Willie Adams is going to be great. I know Christian, Christian Yelich is going to be frustrating because he had uh, back-to-back MVP-type seasons, and now he's just, who the fuck is this guy? Right, so if you're the Brewers, you're relying on your starting pitching. Kerbin, there's a world where Corbin Burns gets dealt. This, you know, Rob, Rob's mentioning a lot too about how um, trade deadline Kerbin Burns might be an option. I, I I tend to agree. I don't see I don't see the Brewers being close enough to winning to say, hey, you know what? Let's let's bring him back. See if we can win a World Series this year and then add to this team and trade some of our some of our chips away. Just doesn't make sense to me. But again, I'm not I'm not the Brewers owner, right? So I I don't know what they want to do there. Um, between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, which is race for last, that I'm just gonna call it what it is. Yeah, both of them suck. That but both of those teams are garbage. Um, I like I think Pittsburgh more is more interesting because they have more names that you know, right? Cause Brian Hayes, he's a name. Brian Hayes is a name. His offense production is garbage, but you know him because for his defense. You know you have Brian Reynolds. I don't know if he gets dealt. I feel like that's kind of one of those things where you have two stubborn people between uh, the ownership who is going to be like, no, we think if you have Juan Soto, we're also going to give you three dollars for the next contract. We're going to braves you, even though we don't have that pedigree. Like it's not going to happen. So I don't know if they trade him or not. Uh, one big guy I'm excited to see this this season is O'Neal Cruz. Look, he's a he's an alien. Can he play baseball? I don't know. But he has the tools that shows that he, he's as toolsy as a Aaron Judge. He's as toolsy as a Shohei Otani, right? Like, the dude has pop. The dude runs fast as hell. Can he put it together, right? That's what separates it. Like, can you put it together, right? A, a lot of guys don't. We, have, we see a lot of guys with great tools that just don't put it together. Um, but it's it, it's St. Louis. It, it, it's St. Louis. It's not, I, I don't even have to, like, Let's stop playing games, folks. Stop playing games. It, it, it's St. Louis. We shouldn't even talk about this. Nick, I'll kick it over to you. So I was raised, if you can't say nothing nice, don't say anything at all. So I'm not going to say anything about... I, I would I would not be on this podcast, I feel like. I feel like I would like half of it would just be like staring at you guys. No, no, no. You should be spanked every episode, especially when the Mets come up. <laughs> but look, this division sucks. It's, it's terrible. I, it's so bad that the Cardinals are winners by default. I don't know if they win another division in baseball, even the AL Central. And it's not because of the talent that they have or don't have. They're just – the Cardinals the last few years, to me, have always underwhelmed because they've always been the best team and they seem to struggle. 
to to win the division or and they don't go very far in the playoffs. But I, I mean, I love the card. I love Nolan Arenado. I love Paul Goldschmidt. Um, I love that they got Contreras. Like that is to say you're upgrading from Yadier Molina, both offensively and uh, maybe even defensively, as as bad as Contreras can be defensively. Molina didn't necessarily have it last year. So, but offensively, it's not even a competition that they're upgrading. Their pitching staff is okay. There's not really anybody on there that I'm excited about from the top end. I mean, Adam Wainwright is 2,000 years old. Miles Mikolas is your next guy who, you know, came from Japan a few years ago. Jordan Montgomery is solid and consistent, but he's just not that guy. Steven Matz is in your rotation on purpose. Like, that's who you want there as your number five? That's eh, not not necessarily so, so sure about that one. But they are a good team. They have the least question marks from a talent standpoint, from a production standpoint, from an injury standpoint. They have the least question marks. So they are a solid team. And maybe I'm going too far saying they wouldn't win another division because maybe they would playing better competition. And, you know, the whole iron sharpens iron or steel sharpens steel type of conversation. Outside of the Cardinals, there's, I mean, there's the top end talent in the NL East that keeps a lot of these teams out of the playoff contention. But there's also just the lack of, of possible success from these teams. From here, I'll go bottom to the top. I think the Reds might be the worst team in baseball. Um, there's not a lot of talent on that team that I say is even all-star level. Jonathan India, you know, he had that great rookie year. He had injuries. I would love to see him come back because he does have some swag. He is a good player. Um, he seems to have fun on the field every single game. Love me some Joey Votto. I would love to see him be on a winning team. Once you get past that, I mean, you've got your catcher, Tyler Stevenson, projected to hit third. No, no, that's not good. Both being a catcher hitting third and Tyler Stevenson being your third hitter. Um, there's just not a lot of guys. Like, you're banking on Will Myers. Yes, Will Myers from the Rays and the Padres. You're banking on him having a good year. And their pitching staff outside of Hunter Green is very, very, very roller coaster um, on what you're going to get with, like, a Nick Lodolo um a uh, Graham Ashcraft they have some they have good games in them but they I don't think they have a good season in them I think this is the worst team in baseball overall even worse than the Nationals from there I have actually the Cubs um I know that you're they're your surprise team Daniel but you're just banking on so much to go right between a Trey Mancini a Cody Bellinger Eric Hosmer is going to be their everyday first baseman maybe sharing with Mancini but Eric Hosmer is going to get regular at bats that is not a good look for any team. And then their pitching staff, they've got a bunch of number three to fours with a Marcus Stroman, Jameson Tyon, Justin Steele, Drew Smiley. So, like, you just have a bunch of three and fours in that starting rotation. And the bullpen, like, they don't have a closer. Michael Fulmer is your best chance. Brad Boxberger actually might get save chances. Like, it's there's just such little talent. There, and there's not much that can go really right. Dansby Swanson, I like him as a player. He came out, I believe he was a number one draft pick out of Vanderbilt. And he always had that pedigree on him. And that was a big trade when he went from the Diamondbacks to the Braves. But he was in such a sweet situation last year. And the year before. And the year before. Like every year he's been on the Braves. He's been surrounded by everybody that's better than him. So he doesn't have to be great. He has to be good. But because there's so much around him helping him be better, he becomes great. I don't know if he's going to do the same thing here. I'm actually surprised they kicked him over or they kicked Nico Horner over to second. It makes sense. Big contract. You kind of have to do that. I don't know that he's better than Nico Horner at, at, with this year. I don't know if he's going to produce better. So 
the Cubs, to me, don't get me wrong, they have the potential to do maybe 500 baseball, but that really is their ceiling is 500 baseball, in my opinion. I don't see them getting over that mark. From there, the toss-up for me and my surprise team is the Pittsburgh do Pirates. Don't do it all. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates. So who comes in second? Who comes in third? Look, it scares the crap out of me to Rob's point that Corbin Burns might get traded. Because I think Corbin Burns is actually going to have an MVP type of season. I think he's fucking pissed at this arbitration that just happened. $700,000 was the difference between you guys telling me that I am one of the best pitchers in baseball and you really don't give a shit about me. And the, the Brewers shows we don't give a shit about you. I feel like the Brewers are playing for a playoff berth, not a World Series. And that is where they fall short for me. Um, Freddie Peralta, as much as I love him as a pitcher, the strikeout potential is amazing. He could be a Cy Young candidate. He also could get hurt week three and not pitch the rest of the year. There's so much volatility throughout this entire team. He is the Christian Yellick of their pitching staff. Like, he could be the best player in the game, and he also could get hurt for 90% of the season and just do mediocre. So for me, I actually have the Brewers coming in third. The possible trade of Corbin Burns absolutely scares the crap out of me. And the Pittsburgh Pirates, look, I try to take my homerism out of this. Hey, you have, I try you have to, Pittsburgh Pirates finishing second. Oh, my Jesus Christ. I do. I do. Um, but keep in mind, I don't know how many teams finish over 500 in this division. So this might be a second place team below 500. <laughs> so <laughs> there we go. You got. I, I was right. Pirates are getting their 72 wins. And Nick has them second with 72 wins. Like, yeah, yeah. So I do have them at 80 and 82. I do have them right there at 500. I do think they get an 18-game increase. This, I think this is this year's Baltimore Orioles. Um, and the reason being is you have O'Neill Cruz, who, to your point, Daniel, if he puts everything together, he's an MVP candidate because he does have MVP tools literally across the board, defensively, offensively, running, arm. When you talk about five-tool players, there may not be a better five-tool player. How he produces, way different. Uh, I don't think Brian Reynolds gets traded, and I think Andrew McCutcheon right next to Brian Reynolds every single day really humbles Reynolds and says, look, man, let's play for some wins. Let's have fun on this team and fuck the organization. Fuck everything else that's in your head. You play baseball, right? You love baseball, right? That's why you do this. Let's go have some fun and play some baseball. Andrew McCutcheon is going to be such a key piece to this team not necessarily production-wise, but I also think this might be the Albert Pujols of 2023. Go back to your hometown. Go back to comfortable. Go back to where everybody... He is the mayor of Pittsburgh over everybody else in that city. Like This guy can do whatever he wants there, and he's going to show these guys how to have fun and enjoy the game of baseball in the city of Pittsburgh. From there, you've got Carlos Santana, who, say what you want about him, he gets on base all the time. And he is a great, he is a tough out every single at bat. That was a good pickup. G-Man Choi, um, is, as long as he's not platooning, he could be a very good addition. He was great for the Rays, but the Rays platoon everybody. I, I feel like the Rays would platoon Aaron Judge. Like, it's crazy what they do. So put G-Man Choi in there for every single game. Let's see what he can do. The potential that's on this team to me is... Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're going to go out there and win 85, 90 games. That's not what I'm fucking saying, everybody. So get off of it. The division is terrible. They really could have four teams under 500. So you're the fat, you're the skinniest kid at fat camp. That's all you are. And I went to fat camp and I wasn't the skinniest kid, but there were skinniest kids at fat camp. And that's who the Pittsburgh Pirates might be this year. Their pitching staff, I do like Mitch Keller. He has 
He has a lot to prove, but he's got the talent along with Ronzi Contreras. Rich Hill slides in there, 87-year-old Rich Hill, who still produces. If you get 20, 25 starts out of Rich Hill, which is probably all you can expect, those are going to be 20 to 25 good starts in the NL Central. Keep in mind where he's going to pitch most of his games is the NL Central, who's absolutely dog shit. But he knows how to pitch, and I think that's what a lot of these young pitchers on the staff needs is somebody to teach him how to pitch and not just throw 100 miles an hour. And he knows how to pitch because he's never even seen 100 miles an hour unless somebody else was on the mound. Vince Velasquez, man, no, I'm not saying he's going to come out there and win 15 games. Um, he's just a filler. Uh, but JT Brubaker could be another good pitcher for this team. And then their bullpen is very underrated. David Bednar is one of the best closers in the game. Will Crow could close for a lot of other teams. Uh, Yuri De Los Santos is a very high-end prospect. Uh, not sorry, not prospect, but he is a guy that come out there and throws throw some flames. But prospect-wise, I think this is probably the deepest set of guys that could come up with your Andy Rodriguez's, your Henry Davis's, uh, Loveri Peguero. And I do listen to a lot of Pirates broadcasts, uh, podcasts, so a lot of these guys do, I hear often. And there's the hype of those hosts talking about their local team. But these guys are solid, and I think they just have the talent potential to be not over a 500 team. I'm not going to say they're going to do that. But the division is so terrible that I think they really could make a push for second place. I do have them in second place because I think the Brewers are just going to shit the bed this year. Unfortunately, I think Corbin Burns does get traded, which is really going to hurt them. I think Freddie Peralta gets hurt. And then the offense for the Milwaukee Brewers, to me, just isn't a team. I, I actually choose the Pirates' offense over the Brewers' offense. Uh, I think they're going to score more runs this year, and that's how you win games is scoring runs. So as crazy as it may be, a second-place Pittsburgh Pirates team is not – otherworldly only because the division is so terrible the cardinals are going to win it they're going to walk away with it they might win by 20 25 games like that is a possibility in this division so we're implementing drug tests like at diamond i'll Clock fail right I'll, I'll fail i'll fail right now oh jesus christ yo what what what, what? Uh, oh my jesus christ all right we're what well I'm, I'm trying to like make it back from this world or we had somebody have Pittsburgh, um, you know, finishing in second place in anything other than a bad bitch contest in first place. Um, yo, heading over to the NLS, because I'm tired of y'all. Heading over to the NLS. NLS is interesting. Look, la last few years, it's been Dodger town. Dodgers own it, right? Dodgers win the division every year. Dodgers have the most talented roster in baseball. Well, guess what, bitch? It ain't 2022 no more. We got, we got new blood here. I'll start off. Look, I got I got the Padres winning the division. And I say that, and before anyone starts, or anyone in L.A. starts saying, nah, they're going to find a way to fuck it up like they always do. It's not so much about what the Padres have. It's more about what the Dodgers don't have. They're the re That's the reason why I don't have the Dodgers winning the division this year. I looked at the Dodgers as a team, and I barely have them making the playoffs. Like, they're my team. Like, I have more confidence in, in the Phillies making the playoffs right now than I do the Dodgers making the playoffs. One, things that the, one thing that the Dodgers have that other teams don't is they have a top-end bullpen, right? They still, have, they still have guys out there that you know, you trust. And as far as the rotation goes, I only have one rotation better than them, and that's the Mets. Uh, Rotation-wise, they're still deep. They still have guys coming up. They still have guys that are going to come back from injury eventually. Um, Plus, it's, it, they just find ways to win. And we, we should know that by now, that they find ways to win. 
But everything else, this is a scary proposition, man. You look around. You look around that 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 field. You have Miguel Vargas as your as your shortstop. He was a starting shortstop for the Marlins last year, and how did that work out? Not great. Tell you that much. You look at the third. Miguel Rojas, field. not Vargas. Miguel Rojas. Oh, Miguel Rojas. My bad. Vargas is somebody else. <laughs> yeah, Miguel Rojas. He's, he's your starting shortstop, and it's like, dude, that's. I'm not. I don't know how happy you are about that, right? If you look around the outfield. You're, you're, you're hoping that guys like James Altman work out. By the way, James Altman, yes, he's a top prospect for them. He's also, like, 25, right? Like, so the guys who are coming up for them are, aren't, are like, these amazing prospects that we're waiting on the ring, in, in the wings. It's like, yo, look, it's just time to come up because, shit, we really don't have a superstar there anymore. You know, obviously, you still have Mookie. You still have Freddie Freeman. You still have Will Smith. You still have those guys. Um, you, you don't no longer have Trey Turner, which we saw last night. He, how important, how impactful his bat could be. So, not having the Dodgers in first is more about what they don't have than what the Padres do have, right? And what the Padres do have is they have they have a stack team, man. They have the best third baseman, in my opinion, in the MLB, Manny Machado. They have a top five shortstop year after year after year after year in Xander Bogarts. Um, gets a little dodgy on the other side of the field, right? When it comes to first base, second base, little. You know, we'll kind of figure that out. But if you go to the outfield, I think they have the best outfield in the MLB right now. Well, not right now. When Tatis Jr. is in, right, when he comes back from, from his suspension. You have two legitimate MVP candidates in Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr., which how many teams legitimately have that? Not many, right? And um, Grisham is, is probably one of the best defensive center fielders there is in the, in the game. So I have – it's just – there's an excess of talent there, right? In the rotation, you Darvish, who for whatever reason got a, a, an extension this year for six more years, even though he's like 35. But, you know, point is he's still, he's still there. Uh, Joe Moscow's coming back from, from his toe injury eventually. Uh, they got Josh Hader last year, which is an upgrade. Say what you want about him. When it came time to the playoffs, he performed the way he needed to perform. Padres didn't lose out on any playoff games because of, because of what's his name? Uh, Josh Hader. So, they just have better dudes on their team, right? And, and they are also deep. It's not it's not just like, oh, they have a top-end guy. Their, their team's pretty deep. Where they have multiple guys that play the shortstop position, not even considering uh, Fernandez Jr. You have probably a list of three guys that you'd rather have at shortstop at that point rather than him on that team. So it's just, I don't know how you can, you can I don't know how you can sit here and, and argue, no, the Dodgers will, will be better than this team. Uh, then talking about the rest of it, look, Arizona, Arizona's like a darling team right now. A lot of people have them as like, oh, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be doing things. Yeah, I think I think they will be. I still don't think they're better than the Dodgers, though. right? I still, they, I still think they have ways to go before we can say um, they're going to be competing for a playoff spot. And I'm sure they'll, I'm sure it'll be close for them, right, because they also have a decent rotation. Um, but there's a lot that we got to see. Alex Thomas has to kind of step up, right? He was last year's rookie that came up. Um, Corbin, Corbin, what's his name? Corbin Carroll. Is that who we're looking for here? Yeah, like he he has to come up. He has to produce the way that we think he can produce. Uh, and and yeah, San Francisco, I think sucks. Honestly, now I, I don't understand. I last year they finished eighty one and eighty one, and I'm surprised they finished eighty one and eighty one. It's not a good roster. They have a decent rotation. Uh, Colorado's Colorado. I don't. I don't. We, do we have to talk about Colorado? Is that even a baseball team? And exactly. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> You get CJ Cron and future shortstop IKF from the Yankees trade him. 
to, to Colorado for a bag of peanuts. But it, it, it's not, you know, best thing for Colorado that they have going for them might be CJ Cron. You you see him maybe he hits forty home runs next year. Maybe you're hoping that that uh, Chris Bryant comes back and plays at an MVP level, which last year he, he barely played at all uh, in the first year of that big contract for him. But Nick, I'll kick it over to you, man, because it's kind of your division, or at one point was your division, before someone kidnapped your parents and said, "Yo, we're gonna bring them to Pittsburgh, and you better talk nice before, or if not, we're not gonna give them back." Um, kick it off for us. Uh, this division is is an interesting one because I think there's a lot of coin flips uh, at the bottom end. the The Diamondbacks have a lot of talent. Their roster looks much better than a lot of the other teams. The only team we don't need to talk about is the Rockies because you got Chris Bryant, CJ Cron. That's it. There's, there's nothing else to talk about. You have Mike Moustakis, a non-roster invite projected to start the season at third base. Mm, gross. So um, there's no reason to talk about them past that. The interesting part to me is San Francisco and the Diamondbacks. Look, I, I live close to the Giants. I still follow them, even though they're not my favorite team anymore. They win games because as much as I dislike Gabe Kapler, he is put in a, he's put, his system is a winning system because of what his front office allows him to do which is mix and match every single pitch, not even at bat. He can do whatever he wants every single pitch, and he is a very analytic guy. And as much as I dislike analytics in the game of baseball, there is a place for it when it comes to winning. Numbers do not lie. They can be changed. They can be manipulated. But majority of the time, if if a guy has a 900 OPS against lefties and a 500 OPS against righties, you put him in against lefties, and he's probably going to do pretty well. So he is allowed to do what he wants as far as mixing and matching. The Giants, the last few years, have won way more games than they should have. Last year at 81, the year before that at 107. Um, so that they're the wild card there. Does that system still work for them? But the Diamondbacks are sneaky talented, like very sneaky talented. Corbin Carroll is my pick. Uh, we'll get for, to it later, but rookie of the year. Cattell Marte looks like he's getting back to trying to hit for contact instead of power, and he's got power in his bat. So if he is doing that for real, then that could be, he could be, you know, not just an all-star candidate, but kind of a team carrying type of guy. Jake McCarthy is maybe just as good as Corbin Keller, just not as fast. Christian Walker had a breakout year last year and only looks to be getting better. Josh Rojas at third base, while not a stud, is solid. I really like their trade for Loris Gurriel Jr. I think that is an amazing, an amazing addition to this team that is going to help them out a lot. He is not in the same type of lineup as he was before up in Toronto, but he is definitely in a lineup now that can help him still produce at a high level. And then Alec Thomas, I mean, they're young, but this might be the best outfield in baseball by the end of the year with Alec Thomas, Corbin Corbin Carroll, um, and Jake McCarthy, especially defensively. And then they have Carson Kelly, and they did, I forget, uh, Gabriel Moreno came over from the Blue Jays, who was a top prospect at catcher. So they have a really good catching core. And then Nick Ahmed at shortstop, say what you want. He's solid there defensively, and he puts up MLB numbers as far as offensive. So there's there's not a superstar necessarily in this group right now, but they're all serviceable MLB guys. Like I think their entire starting lineup pretty much breaks any major league roster, no matter high, how high end. I don't think there's any of these guys that don't make, say, the Braves roster as a bench player. Um, so the the roster there is pretty good. The pitching staff is surprisingly good. Zach Gallen was a high-end prospect before. He comes over and has a great year last year. If he continues to progress and get better, I mean, you're talking an ace for any team. Merrill Kelly, no idea why he's so good, but he's good. 
Madison Bumgarner, yeah, he is what he is. Like, he is just the guy that's going to go out there and throw 83 miles an hour, but somehow still get guys out. And we've seen it time and time again with Madison Bumgarner. The bigger the stage, the more important the win. He steps up. He has not pitched important games for the Diamondbacks ever. They, they just haven't been there. And now we're getting to the point where he might be pitching some important games. And he does have a switch that he can flip like nobody else. So maybe playing on a competitive team with important games gets him back, not to what he was, but something decent. Um, bullpen is where they really struggle. And that's why I have them with a coin flip with the Giants because their bullpen could lose them a lot of games at the back end. Uh, as far as the top two teams, look, the, the Padres just have a better roster. Um, this is kind of the uh, the Braves-Mets uh, from the NL East where you have the Padres who are just, they just have more talent across the board, every single position. Um, where And the Dodgers have pretty good talent, but it's just not quite as good. I just don't see the Dodgers having any magic um, like I see with the Mets. Um, when you have, look, their center fielder isn't even called by his first name. He's called by Seth Curry's brother, or uh, um, uh, Thompson's brother. Like he's referenced as a basketball player's brother. So that's not a good thing when you have that. And you already mixed up their two Miguels with Vargas and Rojas. Um, David Peralta got picked up. Look, I think all three of us love David Peralta. I don't think all three of us love David Peralta as an everyday outfielder for a championship contending team. Um, as Definitely much not more. anymore. Definitely not anymore. Yeah. So, like, we, I mean, I love me some David Peralta. He's been on lots of my fantasy teams and helped me out a lot. I don't – if that's your guy in left field as a championship contending team, I don't see that. Noah Syndergaard right now is projected as a third guy I, for the starting rotation. I don't think that's really going to be the case because Dustin May, assuming he's healthy, is easily going to be above Noah Syndergaard. And Pepe, I believe, also would be above Syndergaard. But then you got Clayton Kershaw, who is an injury risk. Uh, he, he's good when he's out there, but you just can't count him as being an ace. And Julio Arias, um, he's Julio Arias to me is a guy that should be falling off the fence anytime soon, but he keeps pitching better than his underlying stats should should are they that they predict. So does he continue to do that and pitching better than what his numbers say he should, or does he finally kind of come back to where his underlying metrics show that he should be? Um, it don't get me wrong. It's not like I don't I don't think the Dodgers are going to miss the playoffs. I definitely think they're in the playoffs, but I do have them second behind the Padres, and the Padres are just stacked all, all the way across the board. Especially if Tatis comes back and plays the way he did before, there's there's almost no chance of any other team beating them. And to your point with Josh Hader, like yes, he did suck last year. What I think a lot of people don't realize because it actually stayed pretty quiet. His wife went through a really bad pregnancy. They had a lot of scares the last month of the pregnancy. And I believe the baby was in the hospital for three for three weeks after the birth. Man, that's two months almost of this guy thinking about not baseball. How can you be good when you're thinking about your firstborn child being unhealthy? Like that, there's there's just no way. And it's almost as soon as the child was healthy and good to go, go home, everything's good. He turns back into Josh Hader. So the mental game for him, I think it's going to be clean and clear. The only thing with the Padres for me is the starting rotation just has a ton of questions. They could be the best starting rotation in baseball. The talent for them is off the charts with Darvish, Snell, Waka, Nick Martinez, and Seth Lugo. But the floors for them could also be middling rotation guys. You Darvish can get injured. We've seen it. We've for sure seen Blake Snell do Cy Young level stuff and then go to a six ERA out of nowhere. And I heard when I went to Seattle, uh, a couple years ago, I heard that he was, his big fall off was because he had a bit of bad breakup with a girlfriend. Well, that's two years in the past, and he still wasn't very good last year. We'll see how that plays out. Um, but then for your other guys, you just you don't know what you get with Michael Walker, Nick Martinez, and Seth Lugo. They could be really good. 
and they could be really, really bad. Um, the, but I think the Padres have the talent overall. To your point, their outfield is absolutely amazing. Like right now, it's amazing. And then when you add Tatis Jr. in there, it's going to be even better. So this is the year that I think the Dodgers get get overtaken and in the right way. The Giants got lucky a couple years ago with 107 wins. Like that was just magic upon magic upon magic. Um, but I think the Padres do it the right way as far as they just have a better team. I really think they have a better team on the field. It's it. You bring up some interesting points. Some interesting points. I forgot that the, the, both of them are also Miguel's on uh, on the Dodgers there, which is going to make it really interesting for us. It, look, man, I, I think the, the part of Arizona that you mentioned is one thing I'm interested in seeing is can they can their guys take the next step? Because, look, you mentioned Christian Walker. I think he's a dark horse MVP candidate. Just looking at his numbers, if you look at what he did last year, there's a world where he is in the MVP conversation. Um, Corbin Carroll, there's a world where he's rookie of the year. And by all reports, by all accounts, he is like the, the left-handed Mookie Betts. And by that, I mean he does a little bit of everything. He does it all above average level. Not a guy you're probably looking for for 40 home runs, but he could definitely hit 25 to 30 kind of thing. So they, they're they looking they're going to go up. Rob, I'll kick it over to you, man. NL West, what you got for us? Yeah, man. Uh, in the NL West, I guess I'll have to take the, the seat here for defending the Dodgers and claiming that things are still going to pretty much stay the same and the Dodgers are going to take the division because the Padres don't know how to win regular season baseball. But we'll get to that in about two minutes. Just Spicy as hell. Spicy giving, as giving hell. a Holy quick fuck. comment Spicy on these other hell. teams. Look, Colorado Rockies, the Colorado Rockies are playing 162 exhibition games. Enough said. The San Francisco Giants are playing a little bit more elite level of 162 exhibition games. That's what happens when you don't get to sign Aaron Judge. That shows you how shit of a team your, your team actually is. Because without the signing of Aaron Judge, the Giants pretty much have Logan Webb and a decent bullpen. And that's about it. That's not going to get you far anywhere. Um, that's, that's probably my surprise of the, of the NL West this season is that I have the Giants finishing fourth. I have the Diamondbacks taking their first step forward and finishing third in the division. The Diamondbacks are probably the most interesting team in baseball right up there with, you know, like a team like the Baltimore Orioles, which I'm sure we'll, we'll cover when we cover the AL. Um, look, I'm a, I'm a say some, not necessarily a hot take, but look, if you think about what we just talked about with the NL central, right? If you want to pick a dark horse team that could make a trade for a Corbin Burns, it's the Arizona Diamondbacks. And that trade would send the Diamondbacks forward incredibly because to be honest with you, Zach Gallen is a very good pitcher. I don't see Zach Gallen as a long-term number one for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, if you tell me that Zach Gallen is going to be their number two behind a, a perennial Cy Young candidate and a, a Cy Young award winner in Corbin Burns, who is still you know, on the right side of age, if we, if we want to say that, like he's still a guy that's going to sign a long-term contract somewhere. And we've seen that the Diamondbacks are not afraid at all of giving pitchers long-term deals. They signed Madison Bumgarner to a five-year deal. They, when they felt that they were kind of there, they signed Zach Greinke to a six-year deal, right? It might've not been the best contract in terms of what Zach Greinke turned out to be for them. But if you remember, that was a six-year, $206 million contract. It means that they're not scared to put up money for starting pitching. And Corbin Burns might get more than that. You might, Corbin Burns might realistically be your next $250, $300 million pitcher because that's what Corbin Burns has done. If you look back at the last two two or three seasons of Corbin Burns, obviously we don't know what he's going to turn into this year. But I look at the Diamondbacks as a very scary team based on the talent that they have. They have a Corbin, Corbin Carroll out in the outfield 
who, you know what? We can say whatever we want about Corbin Carroll, but the Diamondbacks just committed over a hundred million dollars to him in an extension for a guy that I don't, I don't remember the numbers exactly, but I don't think Corbin Carroll even played a hundred games last season. And they've already committed over a hundred million dollars to him. That's it. That's a Ronald Acuna level extension. That that's that's essentially the same extension that the that the Atlanta Braves gave Ronald Acuna Jr. I do think Corbin Carroll is going to be in that rookie of the year conversation the entire year. I think he's going to be one of the best rookies that we've seen come up in the last couple seasons. Um, and the thing about the Diamondbacks that makes them such an interesting team to pull off, you know, I don't want to just lock in on Corbin Burns, but just to pull off any type of trade that could help them, right, is the names that they have, right? When Nick was describing their, their outfield, one name that he didn't mention was Kyle Lewis. Kyle Lewis, who was rookie of the year in the AL like a couple seasons ago. So you're talking about a team that has Alec Thomas, who I'm high on, even though he had, you know, the season that he had this previous season. But you have Alex Thomas, you have uh, Kyle Lewis, you have Corbin Carroll, you have your Jake McCarthy, you have your Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Again, and we and we talk about that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. trade. That trade was for Gabriel Moreno. Like, that's the guy that you wanted to acquire in that trade. And not to mention that you still have a Carson Kelly right there. So if, if you talk about a situation like the Atlanta Braves, who I have like as the NL favorite, you have a Travis D'Arnold, you have a Sean Murphy, not to compare them directly, but you have two very good catchers in Carson Kelly and Gabriel Moreno. Now, one of them could probably be your DH, your first baseman, whatever. Oh, oh wait, you have Christian Walker at first base, who's also a, a guy who's in top 10 first base conversation. So it's like the, their team is getting better all around. Um, even a guy like you know, even a guy like a, a Gerardo a Perdomo, who's probably right behind Nick Ahmed at the shortstop position. Those are guys that you can in include in deals because guess what? It's not just Corbin Carroll who's going to be coming up for the Diamondbacks. You have Jordan Lawler at shortstop prospect, who's almost a top 10 prospect, who is probably going to be coming up next season. So Nick Ahmed, Perdomo become expendable if you want to move them. Let's not forget Drew Jones. Drew Jones is still coming. Like he has a long ways to go. Andrew Jones' son, who was drafted by the Diamondbacks, He's probably going to be here in another two or three seasons. But the Diamondbacks right now, along with the Orioles, are the only two teams in baseball who have three top 15 prospects. We're going to be seeing those three guys for the Diamondbacks either playing for them or included in big-time deals because they, they are at liberty to do that with the talent that they have. All that being said, I just think this is their beginning of taking their step towards their window. So I think it's going to be a, a, you know, a top three finish for them at third, because I just think that the Dodgers and the Padres are, are going to have that division unlocked this season. Now, in terms of who's going to win the division, and the reason why I still think it's going to be the Dodgers, it's because the Padres have not shown me enough in the regular season for them to win. That's not to say that they don't have better talent than the Dodgers. That's not to say that they don't make the postseason and perform better than the Dodgers. We saw it last season. They, they almost took a trip to the World Series, right? They can definitely do that again. But my thing is, a lot of people are down on the Dodgers as if like, the Dodgers took a crazy loss and that's going to equate to them just losing like a shit ton more games, right? Like Treya Turner is a massive loss. Absolutely. They have not done, they have not done the necessary things to replace them at all. So I'll say this, it's not just Trey, because Treya, obviously that's a big name that kind of comes, comes to mind. Right. But it's also Justin Turner, who as his name, look, name lines compared to the, compared to the league, it's like, you know, he's another dude. But for the Dodgers, he, he was a, Dude, he was a producer for the Dodgers. Yeah, for, no, for years. I agree. I agree. But the thing is, look, with when you look at the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers are coming off winning. What did they win last year? One hundred ten games, one hundred eleven games, something like that, right? Like, so you're talking about a team who won. We can't count them out of the deadline. 
we don't know we don't know what they're going to do at the deadline right they might trade they might trade for a third baseman or a shortstop and and immediately switch things up like that like they have been doing the last two or three seasons right that's how they acquired Trey Turner in that Max Scherzer in that Max Scherzer deal to begin with in terms of their pitching you already addressed it their pitching is there like we can look at we can look at Walker the Walker Bueller injury hurts anybody that's a top 5 talent in the game like losing Walker Bueller is 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 essential for them I'm not going to cry about losing uh, Tyler Anderson because Tyler Anderson is just a guy and we know he's just a guy. Like it's just, if anything, you, you keep Tony Gonsolin over, over a Tyler Anderson, you know, like, and then, so their rotation this year, you're looking at Urias, you're looking at Kershaw, you're looking at Tony Gonsolin, you're looking at a returning Dustin May and your number five starter is more than likely Noah Syndergaard, which again is like nothing crazy, but like Noah Syndergaard is probably better than like a lot of other teams, like number five. And you probably, you're probably more comfortable handing the ball off to a, no, a Noah Syndergaard every five days than you are with a lot of other guys. Their bullpen is there. I can't say that they're, that like, we talk about a San Diego team with Josh Hader. I completely agree. I think I said it last episode. I think Josh Hader is going to have a bounce back season because there has not been almost any season in his career where we've looked at Josh Hader as being worse than a top three closer in the entire game of baseball outside of last one. So I think Josh Hader is definitely going to have a bounce back season, but am I going to sit here and say that the San Diego Padres as a whole, it's almost, it's almost like a Mets situation. Take Josh Hader out of the Padres bullpen, right? Not saying that they're a bad bullpen. They're better than, than the Mets bullpen, but as a whole, the Dodgers probably still take that in terms of a bullpen, just in just based off their ability to continue continuously plug in guys in, in those positions. Because, again, when we look at the Dodgers bullpen, what we end up seeing year in and year out is a lot of guys that end the season with under three ERAs. And you're just like, when did you start playing baseball? Like, I don't even know who you are. Who like who is your like, what is your name? Like, your mom knows you. That's about it. Like, it's just like, yo, like, who are you? Like, seriously. But with the Dodgers, it's also like, look, they have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Same situation as the Cardinals, probably two of the most elite veterans that you want on your team, two consistent MVP candidates. You still have a top catcher in Will Smith. Your, your problem is going to be that third base shortstop position and how you address that long term. But even in the outfield, they weren't getting much from Cody I, Bellinger. It, it, I'd say it's, it's the third base, the shortstop, the second base, the left field, and the center field that, that you're kind of worried about right now. I would, I would say, I would say, I'm not as worried, and I'm not as worried if they hadn't been getting production from those guys in recent years, right? Like, for example, I'm not gonna argue that Chris Taylor is anything special, but if you're gonna, but if it depends on, are you getting Chris Taylor from last season or are you getting Chris Taylor from the season before? Because then that's a different conversation too. Because Chris Taylor could play second, short, third outfield. He will fill in one of those positions. They tra- like you said, they traded for a guy like David Peralta. We don't know what we're going to get from David Peralta. It's not going to be anything crazy. But like, again, we don't know how the Dodgers are going to go about addressing those issues. And the name that we're not mentioning is Max Muncy. Max Muncy is, is very, the Dodgers are going, to, the Dodgers season is going to be very dependent on what they get from Max Muncy. And that's going to be, that's honestly, that's probably my biggest worry for them. If you're telling me that Max Muncy is going to go back to not even Max Muncy from three, four seasons ago, but if is Max Muncy going to go back to being an 800 OP plus OPS guy for you? Like, probably. Like, if, if, if he does that, if he does that, you're probably going to have a very decent season. For as much as we want to hype up the Padres, look, we talked about it before. Juan Soto, I have you as my MVP for this winter. Show me that you're the fucking MVP. Show me, plain and simple. Plain and simple, because there's four, five, six, seven guys out there that could easily snatch the MVP from you. Ronald Acuna, Lindor, Arenado, Goldschmidt, Mookie Betts, Tatis Jr., Manny Machado. I just need seven guys right there without having to think about it. 
there's guys that can snatch the MVP from you. If you're not playing at that level, the what are the Padres like? The Padres have the better talent for sure. The Padres didn't show that they were that much better of a team in the regular season last year. We're gonna get Fernando Tatis Jr. back. Everyone is saying that we're going to get Fernando Tatis Jr. back. How do we know that that's going to be a positive? How do we know that that's going to be a positive? I'm not saying that Fernando Tatis Jr. can't go out there, put up 40 home runs and 100 RBIs. How is that going to impact team culture, though? Is that going to is that going to lead to wins? You would hope that it does. You would hope that it does. Again, the Padres are going to make the postseason. It's not like they're not going to. I have them as my first wild card. I have them finishing second in the division, even if it's by two games. Just because, again, they haven't shown me anything that points to them being like, oh, we figured our team out completely. Even, even when we talk about their pitching, Joe Mosgrove, Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, none of those guys are top 25 pitchers in the game. Joe Mosgrove, borderline, Hugh Darvish, borderline, but Blake Snell, not in the conversation, like at least not right now. Like it's just like none of those guys are like top pitchers in the game. The Dodgers still have premium players at those positions. The Padres do as well, but it's it's more on the hitting end. That hitting needs to connect for them in a lot of ways. And I just, one thing that we also don't keep addressing is, um, which might be a little irrelevant, right, in terms of this year, but we have to see how that Juan Soto contract works out. Are you keeping Juan Soto? Because if you're keeping Juan Soto, I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot keep this team together. Financially, you just can't do it. Juan Soto is going to be a 400 plus million dollar contract. You're not going to be able to keep the team together. You're either going to have to get rid of a, of a Jake Cronenworth. You're going to have to get rid of a Trent Grisham. You're going to have to get rid of other pieces. It's fine if you want to keep your big pieces sure, right? But we've talked about it before. Is Fernando Tatis here long-term? We don't know that either. We don't know that either. The Padres to me are a team that even though they have, they, you could argue that they have some of the best talent in the, in the sport combined with also having some of the biggest questions in the sport, which is why I'm just looking at them like, go out there, show me that you could win the division because the Dodgers have taken nine out of the last 10. So I'll be honest with you. I, 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 I cannot disagree with you more on some Art? of this stuff. And, and, it, and not your NAS, like, like your NAS is spot on. But it's just, we're, we're going on a, on a path, right? Things change, man. Things have to change. If not, the Do- like, have the Dodgers won every, every like, division since 1980? Like, no. There's been times where there's better teams than the Dodgers in, in the NL West. Right, not like, in the last ten years. Not <laughs> in the last ten years, sure, and, and I don't disagree with you on that. But in the last ten years, the Padres were also a very different team, right? Yeah, where where their best, where, where their biggest signing was like Mike Myers, right? Like, like yo, we got this this dude that at one time was a top prospect. He, now he plays for San Diego, right? We were depending on guys like Adrian Gonzalez, right? Who was one? It was him and like Chase Headley for a while, and then it was like Jake Peavy. Like, this is our big three, guys. The amount of investment they've put into their team, and not just financially, they've put prospect investment in their team too. And by that, I mean they've traded prospects to bring guys in. Prospects that were high-end prospects, right? They still have a decent system right now, right? Like, I don't know if you guys seen that 16-year-old who, who, who was playing yeah, for them it. in spring training. That, he's going to be insane. By the way, did not look like he was 16 years old. Looked like he was nice, like a veteran. Like he still looks like he needs like a few meals because he's 16. But like you know, my, my point is, is he, he was. He's on that Albert Pujols birth certificate program. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. No, but my, my point is though, with, with San Diego, like I think, I think it's completely okay to say you have questions about San Diego, but I also think a lot of it is kind of just like TV talk for, for the most of it, right? Because because look. Does Fernando Jr. get traded? Does he not? 
the truth the truth of the fact is that there's real issues with like there's real questions about what we know about the Fernando Tatis Jr. situation. You know, do they like him? Do they not like him? I don't know. Contractually, he's there for for the next like eight years. Contractually, there's nothing that says that they would move off him. And it's such a team friendly contract that it doesn't make a lot of financial. Let me, let me sense. ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Go for it. What happens to the Padres? And again, this is this is just me talk, talking shit. But what happens to the Padres? Because I don't know what his situation is. What happens to the Padres if Fernando Tatis Jr. has a second PED violation? The Padres stay fine. I think that I think honestly, I think the moves they've made have been a safeguard in case that does happen. Right? Like, hey, but do you think they're a better or worse team or worse team with Fernando Tatis Jr. there or not better. there? I think they're a better team with Fernando Tatis Jr. there. I think when you have someone of that kind of talent level that can kind of turn a game around with one moment, that just makes your team better. Right? I think they're a worse team, but they have more wins with him, if that makes sense. I don't think they're as good of a team, but I do think that he provides more wins than whatever you're going to replace him with. And mm-hmm. to Daniel's point, they have safeguarded against him not being there. And what do you get without Tatis Jr.? You get last year. Last year was without Tatis Jr. That's what you get. Yeah, That's true. So, so, I'm, so, I'm looking at it more from like a loss perspective. Like, I'm looking at it as I, you're safeguarding for a reason, right? You're not, you're, not just, you're not just signing Xander Bogarts because you feel all happy and fine about Fernando Tati Jr., right? You're safeguarding for a reason. So if you're safeguarding for a reason, why not just start to shift your team towards that? Why not start to look for trades for Fernando Tati Jr.? Because might as well get something for him rather than him time, just missing time. The, the last time we saw a full season of Fernando Tati Jr., he put up an Alex Rodriguez Monster. MVP type season. You you can't just trade that, right? Like like, what do you get in return for that? In, in I guarantee you, they're talking with other teams about trades for him, and there's just I'm, no value in him right now because of everything: stupid injuries. I, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say there's no value in him, right? I would say it's one of those things where it's definitely kind of just like, hey, let's see how this plays out. I also don't know what the Padres would expect back because I'm dude, I'm not trading him unless it's for something that I know. I'm not trading him for prospects. Let's put it that way, right? The only thing I can see him trading for is if I'm getting Shohei Otani with the possibility of re-signing Shohei Otani. It would have to be that kind of deal for, for me, right? But then yeah, even see. then, that's that's where it becomes problematic because now you're talking about now you're talking about you're gonna give a billion dollars to Soto and Otani. <laughs> you're gonna keep both. Yo, honestly, all the money tied up in, in San Diego is in, is in the property. They're, they'll they'll make that money no matter what. They're they're, they're chilling. Not only that, but two World Series titles. If you get those two guys, you're likely in a World Series winning at least one. Oh, yeah, yeah. You need need a win. You get one or two, like, it pays off for itself, yeah. Two World Series titles pays for every contract they have right now. They literally make money because that's how much the World Series title is to any team that wins it. Uh, Do you guys remember the playoffs last year in in San Diego? Like, just looking at the stadium, it was ridiculous. And it hasn't changed. Like, this, this year, the, you know, the opening kind of, hey... Welcome, come meet the Padres kind of thing. The fan fest, the, yeah. Fan fest, yo, it it that ass looked like the Dominican Day Parade out there in fucking like. I'm just yo, I'm about to take watch <laughs> this, watch this. I'm about to take I'm about to take uh, personal shots here at, at Daniel. Um, oh, just remember, just remember that they're gonna be led by the same Dominicans that ended up losing in the WBC. So how far are the Padres really gonna go? Didn't even show your whole play. You show your whole mouth, fuck you guys. I swear to God, I swear to God. No, no, I, that's not even hate because I love I love Manny Machado and Juan Soto, but it's just like I, I'm looking at the Padres. Like you have to prove me wrong. That, that's simple. Just prove me sure, wrong. Like you can win 105 games, but do it. 
I don't think they win 105 games either, though. That's the thing. I, if, like I said, for me, it's not so much about the Padres being good. It's about the Dodgers being bad. You know what I mean? I, I, I get it. Look, they have a great Dodgers have a great rotation, and they have the they have the things to do it again. But there's too many question marks every, everywhere else, right? Like the the Miguel's, let's call them. Like one one's a backup. Let's be honest with you right now. Like like Miguel Rojas, he's a backup shortstop. He's a utility player that just hey we have nobody else. Fuck it, you want to come here and play? Hey man, That's he's a starter on the Dodgers, man. You take that. Back. Yeah, I mean, so am I almost. I'm just saying, like, like <laughs> it's one of those things where there's too many questions about Trace Thompson, bro. He had a good year. He had a great year last year for Trace Thompson. Two things: do we expect him to do that again? Uh, I'm gonna say no. He's a career minor leader, right? It's not even like he's a prospect. He's a career minor leader. Then, two, what do you do when he if he doesn't pan out, right? I, I, there's just there's just a lot of questions there, man. And that's the thing. Like even with Bellinger, I know Bellinger wasn't necessarily putting up the numbers, but stop right there. Nope, nope, nope. Not not allowing that shit. You cannot say okay. Cody Bellinger over Trace Thompson. Nope, nope. Yep. I take I take Trace Thompson over Cody Bellinger. Once a Gold Glover. That's fine. That's All fine. Right. He can have as many gold gloves as he wants, but right. the Dodgers have shown that they're not about the gold glove defense. They're about pitching and offense, scoring more runs than everybody else. Well, I don't know they could be scoring a lot this year. I'll be, I'll be, I just put, I, I agree just with that. But <laughs> I'm know. not gonna I'm not gonna allow a statement on this podcast saying Cody be, Bellinger is better than any other outfielder in Major League Baseball. We're gonna have to come. We're gonna have to come back to this one in July because I, I this Dodgers Padres talk. Is, is going to be one of the spiciest topics all year, especially if we get oh, yeah. to July and August, and you know they're still separated by a game or two. You know what I think is going to happen? I think I think Dodgers suck this year, and they they're the, the they're probably a team that pays Otani a gazillion dollars. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, like, they're def- they definitely have to be the Otani favorites, at least right 100%, now. Hundred percent. Let's 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 go. Let's run through our awards here, Reg, because we do want I want to make sure that we touch a little bit on the World Baseball Classic at least. So so we'll just run through it. Yo, Manager of the Year, Rob, who do you got? Oh, I got Brian Snicker. Uh, Brian Snicker from the uh, uh, Atlanta Braves. I, I, like I said before, I think the Braves blow their win total this season. I think he gets the award. Nick, what about you, buddy? I got Bob Melvin from the uh, from the Padres just because I think they do get over the hump and they actually and they win. Boom! Take that, Rob. <laughs> For me, I got I got I got uh, Oliver Mermol of of the Cardinals. I think the the win difference between them and the second place team is going to be ridiculous. But I think they they have a better run in the playoffs this year rookie of the year who do you guys got jordan walker man st louis cardinals i think dude's a beast and you know just a quick just a quick thing five seconds i think we have to pay attention to the nl rookies this year because we're getting three of the top five coming up with corbin carroll jordan walker and um francisco alvarez from the mets so those are going to be three guys to really look at this season I got Corbin Carroll just strictly because of the playing time. Jordan Walker is a beast, and he could be absolutely like MVP candidate in the next couple of years. I just think Corbin Carroll leads an upstart uh, Diamondbacks team, and I think the playing time that he's going to have from day one outshines what Jordan Walker is going to have. Jordan Walker is my uh, rookie of the year, and I will say this. I think he finishes top five in MVP voting this year. Ooh. Boom, I said it. I said it. We're doing it. So who needs to be drug tested, me for the Pirates <laughs> pick or you for that? What's going on here? Loki, my Dod- my Dodgers over Padres in the NL West pick is the most sanest thing compared to Absolutely Jordan Walker and the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> Crazy world out here. Crazy world. Yo, Cy, Cy-, Cy Young, who you guys got? Oh, Cy Young, man. I'm giving I'm giving it to Aaron Nola. I just think guys guys been overlooked, and even if you look at the favorites right now, I don't even. I think he's ninth. I think there's uh, like betting odds. There's a lot more guys in front of him. 
I don't think he gets enough of, of the love that he deserves. And especially when you look at his advanced stats, Aaron Nola is right there with one of the best. I love that pick because he is my number one pitcher in the game going this season. But I think Corbin Burns pitches with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, I think he just goes absolutely bananas. And as long as he stays in the NL all season, I think it's, I think I actually think he runs away with it. I think he's going to pitch mad and he's already really good. Aside from the incredible Hulk reference, I'm going to get Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon from Arizona. We're all talking about how we see Arizona as an up-and-coming team. Guess what? If they are and they start making the push, you're going to be hearing about their players. Zach Gallon's going to be the front the front dude for them. He's he's their ace. He pitches like he did last year, and let's say we add a couple starts to that. He had 31 starts last year. He has 33 starts this year and, and gets a couple more innings in there. I, I think he's your uh, NL Cy Young. MVP, who do we got? Oh yeah, man. I, Juan Soto. I said it before. Go out there. Go out there and win an MVP. Because honestly, you should you should have one by now. If we're gonna keep talking about you as one of the elite players in the game, it's my fandom. Just seeing some, wanting to see somebody break over five hundred mil on the on the contract. Juan Soto. I wanted Juan Soto. He's my number two. My number one is Francisco Lindor. I, I think the Mets. If if some of that Mets magic that Nick talked about happens, it's gonna have to be someone like Francisco Lindor doing it both on the defensive end, which I think he's the best defensive shortstop in the game right now. Probably. I, I would say no, no, no worse than top three. Um, plus, we know that how, how he can do at bat. Plus, he's coming off the World Baseball Classic. Does anybody remember the last season that he had coming off the World Baseball Classic? I want to say he finished top five in MVP voting. Um, does it with the Mets. I, I, I have finished Colin winning my MVP. Who do you have representing the NL in the World Series? Braves, man. Braves. I th- I, again, I just think that team is going to be too good. And again, if everything pans out for them, if, if they end up getting a Mike Soroka back in, in the middle of the season and all this stuff, I just think they're going to have too much talent compared to everyone else once postseason time comes around. I got the Padres. I think they put it together and, and win not only the regular season, but also the postseason. I have St. Louis, but I feel like I pick like St. Louis every year. And I'm kinda, it's a goal stage where I just... Eventually, it has to work, right? Eventually, it has to be the Bro, St. Louis could go to the World Series, and they're also, every single year, the team to likeliest get bounced in the first round. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's, it's nuts. All right, man. So, so, look, that's what we have for the NL. That, that kind of wraps this up. Uh, real quick, man, World Baseball Classic. It's been, it's been amazing. It, it's been amazing. We've seen some moments. The numbers coming in on Strategy Viewership worldwide are ridiculous, right? Like, we are surpassing World Series numbers by a lot. You know, obviously, we haven't had a Los Angeles or New York World Series in a while. Don't think that's happening this year either. Dodger fan over there. But, uh, you know, <laughs> but no, but seriously, World Baseball Classic has been amazing. We've had some great moments. Um, what have been some of your, your guys' takeaways and one of your, your some of the favorite things you've seen so far? I'll start with you, Rob. Oh, man. I mean, everything has been great, man. I, I, again, the World Baseball Classic is just so much more then people are making it out to seem on social media and all this stuff, especially off the Edwin Diaz injury. Look, we have we we just had another major major injury too. I don't know if you guys saw the news, but um, Jose Altuve ended up breaking his thumb his uh, thumb from the game last night, so he's out two months um, to start the year off. Um, so I'm I'm sure that'll be like you know a key loss for the Astros and things like that. But again, stop. My my big issue is we need to stop this BS where other people are telling players how they should feel about representing their countries. It's like the players are telling you themselves like and then and then when the players do get on the mic and tell you themselves about how they feel, they're like, oh, if the players would only be honest about their opinions, who are you to tell someone that they're not being honest about how they feel about playing the game of baseball? Like and and this whole thing of like, look, not for nothing, the exhibition games bullshit, that's spring training. That's spring training. You want to talk about games that don't matter? Spring training for the most part does not matter. 
okay? Because guess what? I'd be more pissed if Edwin or Mets fans should be more pissed if Edwin Diaz out there is pitching is pitching against minor leaguers in a spring training game and ends up breaking, you know, having to have knee surgery and all that stuff instead of representing his country, which was a choice that which was a, a choice that he made. Like it's just like you're telling these players that they're not allowed to like do the, these things. Um, and look, World Baseball Classic Baseball is phenomenal. We've seen it with the games that have happened. We've seen it, you know, whether you look at Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Venezuela. I'm going to point to even a team like Nicaragua, man. Nicaragua went 0-4 in the Classic. You're telling me, and, and, I'm, and I'm guaranteeing you right now, the people that were watching those games for the country of Nicaragua are hyped about their team. Their team didn't even have a single major leaguer on it outside of Jonathan Loisega. Like, it's just like, yo, like, who cares? Like, people want to see their countrymen put on that uniform and play for their country. It doesn't matter if you're going to go 4-0. No. It doesn't matter if you're going to go 0-4. Sure, you want to you advance in the tournament and all these types of things. But the World Baseball Classic is so much is so important to the game of baseball. And it's the same people that always argue about the game not expanding enough, not enough eyes on the game or anything like that. The WBC is what's, is what, is what's causing more eyes on the game than anything else. It's not spring training. I've watched maybe two Yankee spring training games in their entirety since spring training kicked off. It's not spring training. Spring training baseball is not what, what has me here sitting glued to my TV. Okay, the World Baseball Classic is. And, and I hope that it keeps happening the way that it's been happening. We should have it every, every three years. We should have more people competing because people want to argue as well. Oh, we don't have, we should have all the best players from all the teams doing all this stuff. Yo, we, you know how many superstars we already have in the World Baseball Classic? Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Francisco. Like how many more do you want? Mookie Betts. Like we have, we have so many superstars playing for so many teams. Even like a team like Venezuela who, who went out um, last night against the U.S. That team was stacked, man. You look like a, you look at a team like uh, Team uh, Mexico. Mexico has had one of the best teams this year go to the WBC. It's their first trip to the semifinals in WBC history. They've had one of the best teams that they that Team Mexico has put out there. Puerto Rico, you know, favorites like Puerto Rico, DR, no longer in the tournament. Guess what? Because there were better teams out there, and that's kind of what you want to. That's kind of what you want to be seeing. Like now we have now we have these matchups: U.S. versus Cuba, Japan versus Mexico. I'm sure those are going to be great games. I'm sure it's going to lead. If I had to predict, it's probably going to be a USA and Japan final, you know, like a, like a lot of betting favorites would have said from the start of the tournament. But we have to stop this nonsense. The, the, that whole, yo, not for nothing. Like, I don't want to talk about it like too much more longer because I, I get heated just hearing the topic. But yo, also the subtle racism, the subtle racism that is coming out with some of these comments on, on, about the WBC is just like, it's getting me to the point of just cursing a lot of people out because it's ridiculous. It's honestly ridiculous. Like, I'm sorry. The USA is not at the center of the universe. Everything doesn't revolve around the USA. Y'all felt better about the WBC when the US, when the US team was looking better. And, and when y'all won that title in 2017, it wasn't exhibition games then. It wasn't exhibition games then. It was, oh my God, look at what these guys have done for our country. When, when the US starts to look a little weak, that's when, oh, like now all of these other countries that, that baseball actually means something to them. Because again, we've talked about it before, Daniel. No hate towards the US. But baseball means way more to Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic as a sport and kids growing up there than it does to the U.S. That's just facts. You might even be able to argue that for, for a country like Japan because Japan puts out a premium product when it comes to baseball. And, yo, I've heard people talk about Japan not even having a professional league. You know how dumb you have to, you, you have to be to think that Japan doesn't have a professional baseball league when literally you have nonstop conversations of Japanese players being posted from, from the MPB to come over to the MLB? Like, that's how dumb you have to be. You're just talking out your ass. And again, all these comments on WBC are just dumb. Enjoy it for what it is. It's great for the game of baseball. And it's going to keep being great for the game of baseball.
Yeah, for me, my best moment is obviously the Trey Turner home run last night because you just saw an entire team uh, turn into eight-year-old kids on the field. And for me, the Daniel spoke about the numbers. Uh, I could be misquoting this because I'm not on Twitter, and I know it was a tweet that was reposted. But uh, during the Shea Otani game, uh, like I think the first game of the WBC, 46.2% of Japan was tuned in to a single baseball game. Almost half of the people in a country were watching a baseball game, and it wasn't America. And then uh, Bryce Harper's home run last year, I believe, had 2.6 million views in like the first two weeks that sent him to the World Series. Walk off, you know, walk off game winner to go to the World Series. 2.6 million views. It's a shit ton of views to watch a one single bat. In three hours, Trey Turner's home run had 4.1 million views. Holy shit. What is going? This is what the game is about. I love it. The only adjustment I would make to it is to put the WBC and, and replace it with the All-Star break every three years. That way you're going to get possibly nine innings of Otani instead of 4.2. You're going to get more pitchers because they're not worried about hurting themselves with these short competitive outings. But on the pitching side, it makes sense to not have the guys go. They're going to be hyped up. They're going to have adrenaline. They're still building up. But other than that, man, this is what the game should be about, to see an American team play with this kind of passion, because you don't normally see that. Even the Japanese team is playing with passion. You don't see that. They're so controlled. I, I loved watching the entire, both teams watching Ken Griffey Jr. take batting practice. Like, that's what the game is about, from the old to the young, playing with passion, having fun, representing your country, or whatever team it is. But if you're a baseball fan and you think anything negatively about this, how do you not want to see your guys caring about the game of baseball in the month of February and March? Like, this is what it should be. There, To me, there is no better exhibition or real game of any sport. This overtakes the World Series to me. Watching it this year, seeing what's going on, I'd rather watch a WBC game between Nicaragua and the Netherlands than I would want to watch the Los Angeles Dodgers versus the New York Yankees. Because what you're seeing on the field, it hits home with everybody from 5 to 105. This is great. The game of baseball is growing based off of this one tournament. Thank you, Major League Baseball, for letting your players go play. Thank you for all the countries that are putting your players out there and organizing this and making this happen. There are some countries that lose money to be in this tournament. Not anymore. That shit ain't going to happen anymore. I don't even They don't even have to do revenue sharing like Major League Baseball does, but this tournament is great. It is everything we want to watch. There is uh, one another great highlight was Shohei Otani getting a, um, a team autographed jersey from the Czech Republic from the guy that struck him out. Who? What? Shohei Otani just put himself even more elite in every aspect of being a human being. He strikes out and then goes and sees, hey, you mind if I get a picture, maybe an autograph, and then gets the entire team to autograph the jersey. It's sick. It's just beautiful. That's awesome, man. Look, I'm going to drop some hard truths for people that they're not going to want to hear it, or some people might not want to hear it. For baseball players, the ultimate goal is rarely ever to win the World Series or bust. They'll say it. They'll say, yeah, like, I really want a World Series. And, of course, you really want a World Series. What's the opposite? Don't want a World Series, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's stupid. Um, but for a lot of these guys, specifically, you know, Japan or the Caribbean guys or Mexico or Venezuela, it's, like, such a prideful thing to put your country's name on your chest, right, to, to have the people you grew up with, the people that are a part of your culture, the people who you resonate with, the people who um you see in the mirror every day right and having those people back you up when you're when you're playing because during the regular season during the postseason playoffs 
what you have is you have consumers, you have people playing to 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 to, to watching entertainment, uh, and it's it is what it is, right? Like like we're watching entertainment. Yes, there's there's a sport there and stuff like that, but these guys know that they can get traded from the Braves to the fucking Milwaukee Brewers tomorrow, and those fans are still gonna show up to Brave games, right? They don't care. With the WBC, unless you're Andy Rosarena, you can't get traded from. I see, I see Ross face. I see, I see Ross face. You can't get traded from like Mexico to like DR and and that be like okay. You know what I mean? Like, it it just means so much more when you're doing it for, you know, most 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 major league players, especially in countries like that. They do it for a financial reason, right? Where, you know, hey, I want to become a baseball player and I want to have this because I know it can change my family's life, right? Um, sometimes it, it's, hey, I want to do this and I want to do this on the greatest stage because it would mean a lot to people of, of like my small ass city or even if it's, you're from a big city, right? And, and it just means so much more when people who are part of what you are as far as culturally, as far as what you are emotionally, you know, having those same experiences and then having that in the biggest stage in the world, which like, by the way, this is a bigger stage in the world series. Like, sorry, it just is what it is, bro. You know what I mean? Um, but like everyone's looking at Mike, Mike Trout, they're like, yo, we've never seen Mike Trout as happy. Even if the, if, even if the angels were winning world series, you still wouldn't see this kind of enjoyment from somebody. You know what I mean? It's it's just so different, man. Like you have an entire, you, have, you literally have the whole country behind you. People from California to New York to Texas to fucking Bumblefuck Alabama are watching the TV with, oh, that's my team out there, right? And it's gonna sound stupid. It's less corporate, right? You're not doing it for an owner. You're doing it for a country. Even though obviously people are still getting paid. I'm not saying people aren't getting paid, but it's it's more about having it for for a big ass group of people than it is you know, the shareholders at fucking Yankee Stadium or whatever it is. So I, I think it's awesome. I think, I, I hope there's more of it, right? I think baseball is one of those, those few sports that might be able to expand to have an international market, do this. I, I honestly think you could have like an international season by season thing if you tried. If, if you like, re, if you reimagine baseball to a ridiculous level, you can have the entire world play baseball and have a league in Japan and have the league winner of Japan face the, the league winner of the U.S. To, or face the league winner of DR or whatever. It's something I think you can do with baseball, which you can't do with, with some other sports right now because other sports would be overpowered, right? Baseball, it'd, it'd kind of be even, I think, if you have, like, last year's World Series winner, the Astros, maybe play the best team in Japan and kind of see how that goes. Maybe it's a fucking four-game sweep or maybe it's not, right? So, you know, just, just, just things to think about. I, I, think, it, I think it's awesome. Um, Best experience I've ever had as far as watching a baseball game was back in 2017 when it was Puerto Rico against the, no, it was DR against the United States, the Adam Jones catch in center field. I was in the stands for that shit. And when I'm telling you the stadium erupted, right? I, it, I've never been in any, like, anything like that. It was, it was, it was absolutely sick. So, yeah, no, I, I love the World Baseball Classic. I hope that we appreciate it for what it is and we stop having like little dick boys from fucking Barstool say, Oh no, it's a fake tournament. Like nah bitch. Like like who the fuck are you? 
who for the show, who listens to Barstool? I I that's like I know it's a whole other point, but I feel like Barstool is just like for like white frat kids who like they're like, yeah, let's say the worst things possible. Like this episode of Barstool was brought to you by Tiki Torches. Right? Like I just don't get who watches it really. But still, my my point is though, like we have to like not listen to that shit because most people do understand that this is an amazing thing that, that we're watching here. That's about it though, man. I think I think that's enough. That is, this is a long ass episode. You guys better probably listen to all of it. We'll fucking know if you didn't. But we'll, we'll catch you guys next week with, with AL breakdown and, and wrapping up what happened with the WBC.